Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. fourth quarter everything went wrong for LeBron and the Lakers and everything felt like it went right for Jamal Murray and the Denver Nuggets and suddenly while many of you were asleep a game that looked like it could even up the series turns into instead a huge win for the Nuggets and a 2-0 series lead as we sit right now in the Western Conference Finals. Fitz and Harry, good that I know my own name, on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Apparently, I'm Jason Fist. He's Harry Douglas. I'll learn how to speak someday. I don't know. It's Love Fridays. I got no, I got no promises. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Uh, one of our favorites, one of our buddies, uh, one of our, our absolute favorites to work with here is Kendrick Perkins, ESPN NBA analyst. Perk joins us right now. Perk, I want to start with where you already word this morning on Get Up, because this is what Alan Hahn said on uh, Get Up this morning about how LeBron looked last night. I want to get your reaction to it. This is Hahn. LeBron James' battery is drained. It's like an old iPhone. When you plug it in and try to charge it up, it never gets back to 100%. He might be at that point now. We have never really seen him like that. He still can defend. There's a lot of things that he still can do on the court because of his high IQ and still his skill level. But when you see things like that, a missed layup low, he can't finish a dunk on a fast break. He's easily defended because he's not jumping over you. I mean, look at this play right here. Is it slippery hands or is it just like I said, he isn't physically as dominant as he used to be? Perk, is uh, is LeBron too tired and too old? Man, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what Allen had to drink last night. <laughs> But he do he realized LeBron James I think did it the dunk he tried to do last night on the fast break I think he did it in the Memphis series in transition so I don't see LeBron James speed declining when he's getting out on the break I don't see his elevation for his hops declining did you see the chase down blocks that he's still doing throughout the course of the playoffs I mean I thought. Last night, what ended up happening was, one, I thought Braun settled. Uh, and part of that probably has to do with fatigue, which everyone is going to get tired throughout the course of a game. It's human nature uh, because he's he's asked to do so much. Like, you're getting nothing out of D'Angelo Russell. You're getting nothing out of Dennis Schroeder. So now all of a sudden you become the point forward again. And then on the flip side of it, you're now asked to guard Jokic, who is one of the most skilled, if not the most skilled big to ever touch the damn basketball. We're talking about a guy that is 7'1", probably 275 to 280 pounds. So now I got to go and guard him, deny him, play the pick and roll, make sure he don't get off, put a body on him, be physical with him, and come on the other end and orchestrate the offense and try to get buckets because AD decides to go five for 15, I mean four for 15. So, like, I, I didn't understand. Like, it was nothing about last night that showed me LeBron looked old, like a missed layup, the ball slipping out of his hands. Do you think if he, if Father Time was catching up with him, do you think he would even attempted to do try that dunk on the fast break? And we've seen him finish that this season time and time again. Well, I would say this, Perk. I, I, 
like you just mentioned, I believe there's so so much on his doggone plate right now. And the lack of what Anthony Davis brought last night, the lack of what D'Angelo Russell brought last night, like you mentioned, he has to be on his P's and Q's defensively because he also has to do more than one thing in those regards. I think everything adding up is forcing LeBron to be fatigued in those moments. But when you look at game three, who is – who is the one or two people that you think need to step up for that game to try to take some of the pressure off of LeBron? Well, one, first of all, if I'm if I'm Ham, I have a I have like I got D'Angelo Russell on a short leash. <laughs> Either he showed me something in the first two or three minutes. Other than that, I gotta pull him. But I believe others will step up. I think Vanderbilt will play better at home which I thought he did a tremendous job defensively. Austin Reeves have been balling out of control. We we expect Anthony Davis to have one of his performances. You know, he's missed up every other night. Um, and I believe Dennis Schroeder will play, will play better. But I think Darvin Ham really got to lean towards Lonnie Walker. I think he, he has deserved and earned the right to be a rotational guy in this lineup going forward, period. Whether he's starting, coming off the bench, but you got to give him at least 20 to 25 minutes. He's so valuable on both ends of the floor. So you mentioned valuable on both ends of the floor. We're talking to Kendrick Perkins, ESPN NBA analyst, Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Uh, talk to me about the value, the appropriate response today to what we've seen from Jamal Murray through two games of this series. You know what he he's he's shown us again that you know he's one of the the most elite scorers in the game today. Those shots he hit last night, I believe what one or two of them wasn't contested, like off the dribble. That that was incredible shot making. That was Steph Curry caliber shot making. And so if I'm if I'm the Los Angeles Lakers, I'm thinking about. Four quarter, the game tight, and the ball getting Murray's hands. I'm thinking about being aggressive. I might have to go trap him until he get a ball up. And I know that's a tall task, and uh, because you have Jokic on the floor, and now all of a sudden it may cause other, you know, areas of the floor to be affected. But you can't let one guy single handedly beat you like the way that Jamal Murray did, the way he took over that fourth quarter. I mean, it just can't happen. And when a guy like that gets going, you got to put your pride aside and say, you know what, I can't allow this. He's not going to beat us. Somebody else got to make shots. Perk, when it comes to the Lakers and their defense, right, and I'm not talking about it in the half court because they've shown that they could be phenomenal doing that, but I thought the transition defense wasn't at its top level last night as well, and it allowed the Denver Nuggets to be able to get points and come back and you know, get a lead or tie things up at one point. Do you think at what point, at what point in this series do you think the Lakers, would the light bulb click off for them to say, you know what, we all need to sprint back and get back in transition and stop the ball? Well, I thought, <clears throat> I thought last night a lot of their shots, a lot of the Lakers' shot selection had a lot to do with their transition defense, right? When you become a, a, a jump-shooting team, uh, all of a sudden, those are long rebounds. 
And those are easy opportunities for the other team to get out and transition. And that's what I thought would happen. And also, the Laker guards have to do a better job of being disciplined. Uh, Austin Reeves, Dennis Schroeder, you know, they they are taught in the film room that when the shot goes up, no matter what, they're supposed to be already spreading back. You're supposed to have two guys back automatically. But they have a bad habit of actually going to the offensive glass, which puts the whole team behind the eight ball anyway. And Anthony Davis, he got to do a better job of when he falls on the floor, like it shouldn't take him five to ten seconds to get up. Like you got to get up and get back down the floor. Like if if, if you if you're driving to the basket and you miss a layup and you're out of bounds, you got to be on a dead sprint getting back down the floor. And it's too many times I've watched him in particular try and transition, like. Try like you're one of the most athletic guys in this league, for uh, one of the fastest bigs in this league. It's nowhere in hell people should be outrunning you, or you should be putting forth the effort like you have been for us in transition. Nowhere in hell. So, Perk, I heard you this morning react a little bit to Michael Ballone, the coach of the Nuggets, saying we're focused too much on the Lakers. Here's my follow-up question to all of it for you. (laughs) So far, is this series more about what the Lakers are doing wrong or about what the Nuggets are doing right? Well, who cares? (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) So so that's my thing. Like, who gives a damn? And I understand maybe Michael Malone is using this to – like, you know, this this false narrative to continue to fire up his team. Hey, whatever floats his boat. But I could have sworn after game one, we were talking about the how legendary Jokic is and the performance he had and how Caldwell Pope was shooting the three-point shot and did this. The reason that we talked about the Lakers so much was because the Denver Nuggets were up by 25 points. And the Lakers came back and had a chance to win the game. So my thing is, if you're in the locker room, and this is where it becomes hypocritical, right? Because, you know, in one breath they say, oh, we're not worried about what the media has to say about us. We're staying focused because we have a goal of winning the championship. And then in the same breath, you come to the stand and say, oh, well, all that's been talked about is the Lakers. No, nothing has been said about us. Well, which one you want? <laughs> which one you want? You want both? I thought it didn't bother you. If it don't bother you, why are you speaking on it? You know what they say, right? A hit dog will holler. <laughs> oh, my God. Perk, this is why we love you, dude. Uh, thanks so much. I know you're slammed with <laughs> no, all this stuff. No, that one from the country. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's speaking truth. Perk, uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the games. Thanks for giving us the brilliance, man. We appreciate you. Uh, no, no problem. Thank y'all, my brothers, for having me. That's Kendrick Perkins, ESPN NBA analyst. Just like you know, there's there's so much truth to what Perk says because he says it all. Like you say, say it with your chest. Perk always says it with his chest and with his heart and with his mind, and that's why I love his NBA breakdowns. All right, are the Lakers asking LeBron to do too much? You tell us, Fitz and Harry. Triple Eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. We're going to let you guys chime in next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
games one and two at home. The Nuggets take a 2-0 lead to Los Angeles, where the Lakers face a critical game three. How will they respond? Game three of the Lakers and Nuggets, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins tomorrow at 8 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ABC. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. ESPN App Series XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Presented by Progressive Insurance. 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. That's how you guys get in on the phone. Everybody wants to chime in on the Lakers Nuggets Series. Y'all are fired up. What adjustments need to be made? Are they asking too much of LeBron? Are the Lakers asking too much of LeBron at this stage? We'll get more of our thoughts, but we want to let you guys take over also. 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. Everybody say we start. We'll get a little Denver take in here. Adam mm-hmm. in Denver. Love getting the Nuggets fans calling in. Adam, what do you got for us? Hey, man, just wanted to chime in. First of all, thanks for letting me get on. Um, I was part of that love-hate thing for Murray, you know, seeing those Two series where, you know, last year and the year before where Murray was out, you know, looking at Jokic, just like thinking in the head, like, man, if Murray was just in there, we go. We go all the way. So that was the hate thing, you know. Started this year kind of iffy, you know, see if he could stay healthy. If he stayed healthy, you know, we can make a big move. And we're making that big move, man. It's it's hard to hate or want to hate on a guy that you – Grew up loving, watching, loving, and then he got hurt, and then he wasn't there for your boys, and we could have had the big moves, and it's just cool to see the world appreciate and see what we have now if we would have just had Murray. And, Adam, I, I'll tell you this, man. When it comes to injuries like that, and, I, and I'll be honest, I wish I would have been a little bit more selfish when I tore my ACL before I came back to play. Mm. But uh, we had another receiver go down and get hurt, and I felt like I put too much pressure on myself, and I felt like it was pressure on me for to come back a little bit earlier than I probably wanted to. So I, I would say this, and I understand it from a fan standpoint too, because you want your guy out there and you want him to be able to help your team. And you see Jokic hanging with his tongue out of his mouth last year, getting ran off the court by the Golden State Warriors. So I get that side of it too. But I, I will say this. I thought Jamal Murray did what was best for himself so he can come back and be able to do the things that he's doing now. That's such a real angle. And I know we got a lot of calls to get to, but Harry, I, I want to stick there for a second because what you're talking about right there is real. And it's a reminder that as a fan, and that's the only perspective I can have, as a fan, all I care about is I want my favorite team to win. What I have to do sometimes and what we all have to do is separate ourselves and understand that this is how the players feed their families. It's how they're going to make their generational wealth. It's the game that they love to play, but it's the game they want to play for as long as possible in their career. And at some point, you do have to step back and understand that, man, a, a person's body, they know their body better than anybody. And I've talked to Stefania Bell about that so many times, our injury expert at ESPN. Imagine going to the doctor, whatever issue you might have, and the doctor says, well, you'll be okay in four to six weeks. Well, what happens if you're not? And then all of a sudden, everybody just starts trashing you left and right because your body didn't recover in the amount of time. And like, how often has any human being gone to the doctor and been like, man, I don't feel good. Well, you'll be better in three to five days. Like, 
it doesn't always work that way. So I, I think that's a and everybody everybody's body's different as well. Like we we witnessed that with Lamar Jackson this year, right? When yeah. they thought he was going to be back at a certain point in time, but you know, for the the position that he plays and you know the agility that he p- provides out there on the football field, uh, he wanted to be healthy, and I don't I don't blame him for it. Yeah, and they all all athletes have to look at short term, long term. What risk are you putting yourself in? And what's it going to mean for you long term? That's just part of life. But I, but I do understand the fan aspect of things sure. of, of of wanting your guy to be out there. It's just there's so much more to it on the athlete side. I just didn't want that to get diminished. hundred percent. And I think as a fan, I've really tried to take the approach, especially in the last ten years as I've gotten to know so many athletes. I've really tried tried to take the approach as a fan when my favorite team's impacted by injury of just understanding that it sucks for me and it sucks for the human being that's actually dealing with it and it sucks for everybody else that's a teammate that wishes it was different but you can do all of that without necessarily assessing blame easier said than done ls in virginia ls thanks for calling fitz and harry what do you got for us yeah thanks for having me on um one seed against the seven seeds it's it's real this is real they might end up getting swept i'm sorry i love lebron and everything, but they outmatch. Man, he might need to go get Dwayne Wade out of retirement for real. <laughs> I mean, you, I'm, I'm telling you, LS, you almost made Harris take a little sip of Gatorade. Right I almost spit it out on my on my MacBook. Almost spit it, spit it out. Uh, that is, uh, look, I, swept would surprise me, and I don't. I, I'm not going to disagree that I think right now the Nuggets are in the power seat, Harry. I just don't know that I can go. Swept like these two games have been too close for me to go that far. Well, I don't think the Lakers are out of it. Like they have a chance to defend their home court, in which they have not lost within these playoffs. And I, I got to look back and see when the last time they actually lost at home in the regular season, too, because I think that's a little while as well. Um, but I will tell you this: if the Lakers just win one game out of this, out of these next two, there's a possibility it could be over in five. Yeah, I mean, it's it gets hairy in the next couple of games. That's my Captain Obvious analysis here. <laughs> Richard in L.A. Richard, what you got for us, man? Thanks for calling Fitz and Harry. Uh, yes, how you doing? Uh, to your point, yeah, I, I think LeBron is being asked to do too much, but here's the Lakers' problem. When he has the ball in his hand, and he is facilitating the offense, there's a tendency for the guys to stand around, okay? Uh, I think that if they took the – the ball should be taken out of his hands uh, and let Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell run the point. But there's another problem. D'Angelo Russell is giving them nothing. I think – He's stuck in the mindset of should I shoot or should I facilitate? And Darvin Ham, he's in a position where I don't think he can wait that long to see how he's going to respond on the court. He's got to go with Austin Reeves. He's got to go with Dennis Schroeder. And personally, you've heard that old cliche many times, you have to pick your poison. I would keep a longer defender, Vanderbilt, on Jamal Murray because – you're already trying to get the ball out of Joker's hand. You've got to double-team him. So it's a, uh, uh, they've got to get these next two games. Uh, I'm with your other caller. If they split in Los Angeles, I think Denver will end it in five games. 
Uh, thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it. I don't think there's any chance. Well, I wasn't a caller. I, I, uh, yeah, I'm yeah, one well, of the hosts on the show. Yeah, yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I also don't think that there's any chance they're taking the ball out of LeBron's hands through any of this. Like that's I, just, I think that's asinine as well. Like, yeah. Especially when you see the deficiencies offensively in the three laws that this team went through. Like where they didn't score a field goal, it was three of them they went through. That was a a, a nice little period of time in which the Denver Nuggets took advantage of. You you can't ask LeBron not to have the basketball. He has to have the basketball after things like that. One in four car batteries this week needs to be replaced. Let the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts test your battery for free. They can also help you find the best superstar battery for your vehicle. Learn more at O'Reilly Auto Parts. I just really like saying superstar battery as much as I possibly can. Coming up, being asked to do too much doesn't seem to be an issue for one superstar in the NBA playoffs. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. I turned the ball over. You know, that was on me. You know, you got to slow down a little bit in those moments. He cannot allow himself to take four shots in the second half. He has to demand it because they go the way Jason Tatum goes. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. into Boston and still game one. Now the Celtics face a critical game two. Will they respond? Or are the Heat taking a 2-0 lead to Miami? Game two of the Celtics and Heat presented by Indeed. Coverage begins tonight at 8 Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Your smart speakers, just ask him to play ESPN Radio. Tonight, Heat Celtics. Heat have a one nothing lead. Coverage begins on eight, at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. So Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're now do- joined by Dave Pash, ESPN NBA announcer. Dave, we'll get to the NBA in a second, but, you know, I work with Harry Douglas every day, and, you know, people forget Harry had an incredible career in college football, played in the NFL for a decade. Uh, you've called so many games at, at every possible level. Uh, uh, just update me on the scouting report from your memory, like uh, <laughs> slow, short, little pudgy, right? Like I'm describing Harry Douglas. Now, what, what what stands out to you when you think back on your times calling Harry Douglas games? Well, your producer just asked me that, and I said the thing that stands out was he was really freaking good. <laughs> I remember, ah, my I man. You killed the Cardinals several times. And I, I, when was your first year at Louisville? Because my first college football game for ESPN TV was a Louisville game 20 years ago against Kentucky. And I think you were there then. I can't remember. And I'm sorry if I'm making you older than you are. My, I would say I was there in 2003, but I redshirted that year. So my first year playing was 2004. So 2004, 2005, yeah. 2006, 2007. So I'm right. Yeah, it was 04. 04 was my first game as Louisville, Kentucky. Again, I don't remember if you played in that game or I think it was like it came down to the end. It was like I think it was a like a Sunday night game or something. But I do remember you. 
I knew I had done at least one of your games in college and then many Many games, particularly Falcons, Cardinals is what I recall. See, at a baby, Dave. At a baby. Dave, you haven't made this any easier on me. It's already a handful, Dylan. You know how these wide receivers are. Dave, everybody can't be a star, Dave. Everybody can't be a star. <laughs> oh, God. This is what I deal with. This is what this is my life. Uh, speaking of stars, you've watched Jimmy Butler be a star, obviously. What stands out to you when I say Jimmy Butler through the playoffs? Well, I think what he's doing right now and don't, you know, don't uh, get me wrong when I say this. I'm not, you know, comparing him to Michael Jordan or Kobe. But the stuff he's doing this postseason in particular is on that level. What he did the other night, no one had ever done in a conference finals. Only three other players had done it in a playoff series or in a playoff, yeah, in a playoff series at all. And Michael Jordan was one of them. And that's, you know, going for 35-5-5. And he had 35 and he had six steals. Uh, his mental toughness, you know, there are a lot of guys that get a lot of great numbers in the regular season, make a lot of money, and don't win in the playoffs. And then there are guys like Jimmy Butler, who play really well in the regular season on both ends of the floor. But when it's money time in the postseason and you have to grind through a tough series, you've got to be physically tough and play through injury. You've got to be mentally tough through the ups and downs of a long postseason there are guys like Jimmy Butler, and I think that's why – that's what separates him from a lot of guys right now in the NBA. Dave, when you look at the game that we watched last night, the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Denver Nuggets, what are you expecting now from the Lakers being down 0-2 in this series? Well, I, I, I've learned over the years not to count out LeBron James on anything. You know, to do what he's doing at his age, age 38, and continue to put up the numbers that he's putting up, uh, the way he lays himself on the line every game uh, in the playoffs, uh, I, I have a hard time saying that the Lakers are done. I think if Denver wins, they're done. But it's, to me, about Anthony Davis. And I, I know that I'm not the first person to say that. This is not breaking news. But as he goes, the Lakers go. If he's great, the Lakers can win. And, you know, maybe they should have won last night. But Jamal Murray, you know, I don't think people give him enough credit for how good he is. We saw in the bubble how good he was. And then obviously the injury played a role in the setback. But he's back and there's not much you can do. I mean, they were they were in his face. He just was making everything. So I think the Lakers will win a game. I'm not sure they win more than one in this series, but I, I think they'll win game three and at least make things interesting. Part of the reason the Lakers are down in this series because of a great fourth quarter from Jamal Murray. Part of the reason that the Celtics are down is from a fourth quarter collapse from Jason Tatum. We've talked a lot about carryover, right? And we saw Tatum carry part of that game seven into the first half of the last game. You have any concern in your mind that there'll be carryover of a bad fourth quarter for Jason Tatum coming into this uh, this game tonight? Well, two things on that. First of all, I think it's a little overblown the fact that officially he had no field goal attempts in the fourth quarter. He shot six free throws. So, mm. you know, he had three uh, field goal attempts that weren't official. He, he just, you know, he ended up going to the free throw line. So officially you don't mark it down as a field goal attempt, but he still has to be more aggressive. Obviously now, the third quarter is what killed the Celtics. It wasn't the fourth quarter because they actually got off to a good start in that fourth quarter. You can't get outscored 46 to 25 <laughs> uh, in a quarter and expect to, to win a playoff game. 
But the way that the postseason has gone for Boston, you know, losing game three in Atlanta, you still think they're going to wrap it up in five and they lose at home in game five. Uh, but they win the series. And then lose game one at home against Philly. Go up 2-1. You think they're you know going to win the series. And they lose game five at home. And now they got to go on the road to, to stave off elimination. But they're able to win that game and then win game seven. So I think it's a resilient group. Uh, I know the narrative shifts drastically from game to game in the postseason. I'll say this. If they don't win the night, I, I have a hard time seeing them win anything in Miami. Um but I, I have a feeling Boston will bounce back and play really well tonight. And uh, I'm not sure they'll win, but I, I think they'll be much better and much more consistent tonight, and Tatum in particular. Dave, last one really quick before we let you go. We've talked all series about the coaching disparity between Eric Spolster and Joe Mazzula, but what are people around this series actually saying about the two coaches? Well, first of all, I think everybody's got to start somewhere. I mean, Eric Spolster, there are people that wanted to get rid of him mm. after uh, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and that group lost to Dallas back in 2011. Good 12 years later, Eric Spolster is one of the best coaches in the history of the sport. So I think we got to slow our roll a little bit. Joe Mazzulla is the youngest coach in the conference finals since Bill Russell back in 1968. Um, it, it's supposed to be a little bit of a mismatch, but let's see how he does. Let's see how he adjusts here in game two, and I think we'll get a better feel for kind of where he is. Dave, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. Huge fans of your work. You can check him out tonight. Heat Celtics, Heater up one nothing in that series. Uh, Calling the Eastern Conference Finals with Doris Burke. Love you guys, by the way, as a pairing. It's one of my favorite to, to consume. I absolutely love the work you guys do together. Thanks for hanging out with us, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Appreciate the kind words. Have a great day. That's ESPN Thanks, NBA announcer Dave Pass joining us. Uh, all right. I, I don't think we're overstating to say that tonight's a massive game for this entire era of the Boston Celtics. We'll explain why next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. into Boston and still game one. Now the Celtics face a critical game two. Will they respond? Or are the Heat taking a 2-0 lead to Miami? Game two of the Celtics and Heat presented by Indeed. Coverage begins tonight at 8 Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Love Fridays. Pray for your ceiling fans everywhere. All right, so tonight, one thing we just heard from Dave Pash, ESPN NBA announcer. 
If the Celtics lose tonight, it's going to be hard to think that they'll be able to win this series. I don't think that's some glorious hot take. Good Lord. The first two games were in uh, Boston, right? So if you lose your first two games in Boston and then you have to go to Miami, you are not putting yourself in a great situation. I think I can put on my Speedo, my cape, my little hat, my crown, and be Captain Obvious and announce that to everybody. So the question becomes, what do we expect to see in this game tonight, Harry? Because you're going to have to see a more, uh, a more, uh, uh, the version of the Celtics we got for, for the first half, not the second half. You can't see a passive-aggressive Jason Tatum you can't see the team just sort of stand around. They're going to have to find a way to limit Jimmy Butler, and they're going to have to find a way to out-effort the Heat, which is difficult to do. I think for me, Fitz, it's as simple as this phrase I'm about to say. Through adversity, you have to shine like a star. Now, when I say that, as a team, as a whole, I mean that for the Boston Celtics, and also as individual. You talk about individual play. Jason Tatum is your superstar player. Okay, well, Jason Tatum has to be phenomenal across the board, not in spurts across the board. He can't get sped up when it's crunch time and the ball is in his hands and he has to make plays. Also, you can't turn the basketball over. Jalen Brown, you're a star in this league as well. Can't have six turnovers. When your number's called, especially when you're down 1-0 in this series, you have to step up and make the necessary plays. I think as a team, you should never have to coach attitude and effort. And I'm saying effort because the Miami Heat was the team that got the 50-50 balls, right? But also I think when you look at Joe Mazzula as a head coach, when the context arrives where you need to be phenomenal, you have to be phenomenal. Just because you don't call timeouts and that's not your M.O. doesn't mean that you can't do it when a team is going on a run against your team. You have to make the proper adjustments. And also look at that group that went on that run right before halftime. See how many t- different times that you can play that lineup. I love that he started Robert Williams because Robert Williams was phenomenal in the first half. But still, when you come out in the second half, survey the game and understand what the game is at that time. And if you need to make the proper adjustments, make them. You mentioned effort and attitude. Joe Mazzula, Celtics head coach, was asked specifically questions about his team's heart. Joe, uneven focus and energy. I assume you do not uh, question this team's heart and will to win. I do not. I don't question anything about them uh, because of who they are as people and how strong the locker room is and who they are as players. I think we have to acknowledge, too, that there's two things can be true at once. A team can have great heart. A team can have uh, great characters and great uh, emotion and great want to win. And it doesn't mean that that team necessarily knows how to bottle all that up and bring it for four quarters. Like, I don't always take a, a team that doesn't have that next gear and suddenly presume that it's a bunch of athletes that don't want a championship or dream of a championship or work hard for a championship or have heart or have, you know, that, that, that want and that desire. Uh, it is two things can be true. It, is, it can be true that a team can't bring it for fourth quarters, four quarters sometimes, but also that team has tremendous heart. It's just you've got to figure out how to bottle that up and get it out of guys at every oh, second. Oh, I got it. I got it for you right here. Attention to detail, right? Attention to detail will help you out uh, when it comes to a third quarter and the Miami Heat goes on a run, right? Attention to detail is something that Al Horford is talking about when he has to stop practice the day before the game and get on everyone because of lack of focus, that should never happen in an Eastern Conference final. It should never be the lack of focus. It, it, so I think coming into this game tonight, 
that focus and that attention to detail has to be there for four quarters, Fitz, not just some of the game or three quarters or three and a half quarters or four quarters. The attention to detail and the focus has to be there. And I think all I'm saying is that sometimes we see a team fall apart and we think, well, they just didn't want it. They, they obviously like... It's and, little, and things happen. Uh, yeah, things happen during games. They want it. Right? It's just Everyone's a, a pro for a reason. Right. right. A, a thousand percent. That's well said by you. Now, Marcus Smart was asked about defending Jimmy Butler, which is sort of like asking to stop Superman. But this is what he said. Just to make it as tough as possible, you know, um, you got to be physical with him. You can't let a guy like Jimmy be too comfortable um, because he's gonna, you know, he's gonna shoot his shot regardless. So, you know, you just want to be as physical and make it as tough as possible for him. But and hanging off of him and allow him to make plays, read the game is not the way to go. That that comes down to one of those moments where, like, if if you know you're gonna get your ass kicked, at least know you that you made it difficult for him. Right, like there are certain 100%. people you're not going to stop, and there are certain people that are on such a roll you're just going to get beat. Last night we saw Jamal Murray hit how many difficult shots over and over and over again. All you can do at some point is try and make it difficult for them. Marcus Smart has the ability to make things difficult for Jimmy Butler. Now, if he still turns around and has a Michael Jordan-like performance, a Kobe Bryant-like performance, then fine. It was his night. That's what. But all you can do is control the controllables. The controllable there is, am I giving everything I can to make his life difficult? That's all you can ask from someone. Well, you're talking about a guy in Marcus Smart who won Defensive Player of the Year in 2021. So it's not like you're just putting up some slap on him and Jimmy Butler's going to cook him. You're, t- you're talking about a guy who has that pedigree and can reach the heights of the greatest when it comes to playing defense. And you look at the the size and Jimmy Butler's 6'7", six, six, 230 pounds. Marcus Smart is 6'4", 220 pounds. But you don't win defensive player of the year at any moment in your career because, you know, you eased into it or miraculously it just happened. No, you have to be doing something correctly. So I like the simple fact that Mark is smart. And we do know that he he has a, a, a you know a history of embellishing contact sometimes. So maybe he's able to get offensive fouls on Jimmy Butler, and now Jimmy Butler ha- has to sit down. But I think in this game, the focus on minimizing I'm not going to say stop minimizing Jimmy Butler has to be a lot more than it was in Game One. What's interesting to me is that you'll see two sides I think that are going to bring aggression to this because one thing we know is the Celtics can't afford to lose. One thing we also know is that heat culture, something that we've sort of laughed about but we're all acknowledging is real, is going to tell them they know the opportunity at hand. If you're the Miami Heat, you know that you can absolutely stomp somebody right now. you got to choke them in the words of Harry Douglas, Mm. right? This is that chance for Jimmy Butler and the Heat to go out and show the team that's scrappy and knows how to put that work in. They know what's at stake, too. So I I think it's really going to be interesting to see backs against the wall against knowing I can deliver the knockout punch. You you, you know what the Heat are to me? them damn alley cats you know them alley cats man you know straight cats and fighting for food and don't know when the next little thing they're gonna be able to put in their belly is gonna come alley cats man the number of times tonight i'm watching the game and i'm just gonna go it's <laughs> <laughs> my alley cats out and that's what we're gonna do you're welcome America, alley cats, for putting man. that into your brain all right don't forget that game tonight coverage begins at 8 p.m eastern on espn radio coming up is lebron too old or too tired? We'll figure it out next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 